us, everybody, give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. He's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Somebody lift their voice and shout for joy. Because the Holy Ghost got a hold of you. Timothy, I'm so thankful this morning to be in an apostolic church where we still preach and teach the apostles' doctrine, repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's the best thing. It's not a good thing that happened to me. It's the best thing that ever happened in my life. Turning to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Remember Wednesday night, Brother Mike Wilson will be here in the adult class on Sunday morning, on, on Wednesday night, 7:15. Also be in prayer. We have a team that's going to do a service in a rehab center on Wednesday night. And so be in prayer about that. Amen. Remember, for all of our all of our guests this morning, our new members, we have a meet and greet. We'd love to spend some time and get a chance to meet you. I hope you'll meet us in the discipleship room immediately following service. Second Timothy chapter number two, beef freeze at five o'clock. What happens at six? What happens at six? Prayer in the prayer room. Let's set the church spiritually on fire in the prayer room. Amen. And then tonight we're gonna have a great service. The Lord's given me a message. I've been, uh, the Lord's been dealing with me. It's titled, where the devil gets his power. Would anybody like to know where the devil gets his power? Amen. Be here tonight, 630. We're going to have a great Holy Ghost revival service at 630. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 24 through 26. If you found it, say amen. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. I'd have been happy if that last word had been left off, but it wasn't. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Verse 26, and that they may recover themselves. Out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. 
that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him. The NIV of verse 26 says, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. I want to preach this morning for a little while on the subject, the kidnapper. The kidnapper. Lord, I pray God anoint me to preach. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost move in this place. Not by power, not by might, but by your spirit. God, I rebuke every lie of the devil. I rebuke every attempt of the devil to take captive souls that are in this place today. Lord, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost move in this place. Anoint me to preach. Let my mind and heart be in tune with your mind and heart. Let my voice be your voice and anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit would say. Lord, I pray you do it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as you're being seated this morning. Every parent's worst nightmare is that their child would go missing. When Kate was barely walking, we were in Indiana for Christmas one year. And before getting on the road, we stopped at a fast food restaurant with my in-laws. We thought that my in-laws had Kate. They thought we had Kate. Soon we realized that none of us had Kate. We looked all over the restaurant, couldn't see her. Looked outside, couldn't see her. Panic sat in. I went into the men's restroom ready to inflict bodily harm on someone. But she wasn't there, thankfully. We looked all over. Finally, we found that Kate had walked behind the Christmas tree in the corner and was quietly sitting against the wall, oblivious to the fact that we were in a panic. But that moment, when you experience for just a few moments what your worst fear coming true would be, it is the epitome of terror. What ended well for us, sadly, doesn't always end well for other families. In preparation for this message, I conducted research on missing children. I read that a statistic, I read a statistic that reported that 8 million children go missing every year around the world. 800,000 of those reported missing each year in America. That's a staggering 2,300 children per day. These missing children fall into several categories. Some simply wander away and get lost. Some are runaways. Some, most actually, from family abduction. Some from stranger abduction. When I was in the seventh grade, the subject became front and center in my own world. 
Daryl, one of my classmates in first period English, had his family rocked when a kidnapper went into his house and kidnapped his older sister, Anita. A man by the name of Victor Steele held her for eight days, took her from her home in Kokomo, Indiana, to a home that he owned in Wisconsin, locking her for days in a metal cabinet. The case became the subject of a book called Eight Days in Darkness, a television program called Surviving Evil. For days, our entire community was shocked, but beyond the shock, parents were in terror, not knowing the outcome, not knowing that the kidnapper had taken her to Wisconsin, wondering if there was a kidnapper among us. In 2011, my family and some others were at Bishop and Sister Wilson's home for a meal after a service. And while there, Sister Wilson told us of a harrowing event that happened just a few days before. As you know, Sister Stephanie McDonald is, lives in Eureka, California, and I didn't plan it this way, but, but the grandchildren are here this week, some of them. Her husband pastors in Eureka, California, and during that meal, Sister Wilson told us that on the very block where her daughter and grandchildren lived, a man had attempted to abduct an 11-year-old boy. Sister Wilson said, and I quote, you all, there was a kidnapper on their block, and they haven't caught him. The conversation and the meal moved on, and we left. But her words stayed in my mind for weeks. There was a kidnapper on their block. It actually became the subject for a message I preached that year at our National Youth Convention. That singular phrase, there was a kidnapper on their block, would not leave my mind. Today, I've come to make us all aware that there is a kidnapper on our block. There is a mortal enemy to all of humanity. We have an enemy that lurks in dark places whose eyes are filled with malice towards God's people. His name was Lucifer. We call him Satan or the devil. He's no one's friend. He hates the church and he hates God's people. He hates revival. He hates holiness. He hates prayer and fasting. He hates the truth. He hates this one God, Jesus' name message. He hates it when we worship God and we come to the house of God. The devil hates everything that we stand for. He hates the fact that I'm exposing him this morning while I'm preaching this message. And can I tell you today that the devil is a kidnapper and he's reaching for every soul that's in this place this morning. Amen. Very often when I preach, it may, not, it may be directed at one group of people in the church for whatever reason, but make no mistake about it, what I'm preaching today is for everyone under the sound of my voice. The devil 
is a kidnapper and the devil is after your soul and your family. Jesus told Simon Peter in Luke chapter number 22 that Satan desired to have him, to sift him as wheat. The word desired in the original language means that Satan demanded to have him. The audacity of the devil to demand to have a child of God. Satan gave the edict to his demons and his imps to find Simon Peter and to sift him, to draw him out and to separate him out of the church and the family of God. May I tell you, the goal of the devil was not just to tempt and trap Simon Peter and destroy him, but Satan understood that the apostle Peter had a purpose and a destiny. He heard, he heard Jesus change Simon's name to Peter and to give him the keys of the kingdom. Somehow, I believe that the devil understood that there was tremendous destiny on the life of this man. One thing every child of God must understand is the enemy fights people who have a purpose and a destiny on their lives. Your struggle this morning is proof that God has a purpose. Amen. So Satan set in motion a plan to abduct Simon Peter out of the church before he could ever preach Acts 2.38. He enacted an all-out all attack. He brought to bear all the resources of hell to draw Peter out. He demanded that all stops be pulled. Satan desired to have him. It was a plot to destroy Simon Peter's relationship with the Lord, a bold attempt to abduct the apostle that would preach here in the upper room that would preach, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The devil was trying to steal Peter before he could ever preach that gospel and preach that message. It wasn't just about Peter. It was about all the people that Peter would reach for the rest of his life. It was about Peter not preaching that message so you and I couldn't be here today to worship in the presence of God. And so the kidnapper, the kidnapper went to get Simon Peter, to draw him out. A plot to destroy the message. The first attempt was when he tried to destroy Simon Peter during a storm. He convinced Peter to take his eyes off Jesus and to look at the wind and the waves. And if not, for the saving hand of Jesus rescuing him. It would have ended on that day with the kidnapping of the apostle Peter. But it went on a little bit further. The second attempt was he tried to get Simon Peter killed by the Romans. He inspired Peter 
to cut off the ear of a Roman soldier by the name of Malchus in the garden. And the Romans would have arrested Peter on the spot and he would have been tried and condemned. But Jesus rescued him by picking up the ear and healing the man, taking away the evidence that would have condemned Peter to die. The third attempt was when Peter was by a fire and he was warming himself on the night of Jesus' arrest when the men and the people around the fire said, you're one of Jesus' disciples and peer pressure caused Peter to fall and to deny that he knew the Lord. But thank God he found a place of repentance that night, time after time after time, the enemy tried to pull Peter out of the church, away from God. It was these experiences that this survivor of multiple abduction attempts wrote this warning in 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, there's a kidnapper on our block today. There's a kidnapper in this room today, and his purpose is to pull you out of the church and get you away from the presence of God. Satan has desired to have you. He wants to sift you and separate you out of the church. He's issued an edict through the corridors of hell that calls for people to be taken out of the church. In the text that the Holy Ghost has chosen for this service this morning, for the message today, the great apostle Paul instructed his young understudy, Timothy, to command and teach the word of God to the intent that those who have been abducted by Satan be brought back Notice with me, 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him. That they would come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive. Today, I've come to assist someone who is being stalked by Satan to recover themselves out of the trap of the enemy and to escape from this kidnapper. The seed for today's message, and I'm trying my best to go fast. I got a lot of ground. I got a lot of ground to cover. The seed for today's message came to me this year on March the 26th. I was preaching in Oklahoma City during the service a man in the church gave a testimony. He told of how his family, his parents, his dad lived in Illinois. And his dad's health had been failing now for several years. He also said that he had a good job offer in Illinois. A lot more money, better benefits. It was something that he and his family really needed. He said, we really need to go there. I really need to be with my dad and I really need the extra money. But he said, hey, for years, I could not go. He explained. <clears throat> Six years ago, 
His teenage daughter went missing. They didn't know if she had been kidnapped or if she was a runaway. From the moment that she went missing until March of this year, they had not heard a single word. No leads, no communication, nothing. The police, the trail had gone completely cold. The family did what they could do to try to keep going and continuing with their life, not knowing where their daughter was or if she was alive. But they stayed faithful to the house of God. They stayed involved in the choir when they wanted to quit, when they wanted to just sit back and cry. The man had a call to preach on his life and they did the best they could to do what God had called them to do, not knowing every single night where their daughter was. For six years, he said, I cannot move away from here. And I quote, I wrote it down while he was talking. I couldn't leave because what if my daughter came home and we were not there? What would she do if we were not home when she came back? How would she ever find us? And so for six years, he never left home because he knew that if she ever comes back, she needs to find daddy at home. That very week, after six years, their daughter had called them out of the blue and they were reunited in communication. Can I tell you, I know the world thinks that the church is old fashioned. I know the religious world thinks we're archaic, but we can't afford to move until our children come home. We can't go away. We can't move off this message. We can't move away from one God. We can't move away from holiness. We can't move away from worship. We cannot move away until our children come home. When our kids come back, they need to see us in the house of God. Brother David Kitty, your Aunt Judy told me something a few years ago. When she got back in church and she prayed through, and thank God she's been doing good for years, but she told me something. When she was away from God, she was backslid and out of church. She went to Houston for, for something for work or whatever. And when she went to Houston, Brother Brad, when she got there, there was a preacher who had preached a long revival here. About, uh, I'm not, I started to say his name, but I'm not, he doesn't deserve the anonymity, but I'm going to give it to him anyway. But he preached a long revival. A lot of people got the Holy Ghost and miracles. But since he preached that revival here, he quit preaching holiness and quit standing for the truth. And so she didn't know that. So when she got there, she found his church in the, in the what you kids don't know what we're talking about. It was a phone book, the yellow pages. What that is, is that's Google on paper. She found, she found the church and she showed up. And she told me, she said, Brother John, when I walked in, I looked around and I thought, I'm in the wrong place. This is not the right place. And, and, and the lady, the, lady, the greeter met her and said, and said uh, hey, welcome, we're glad you're here. She said, I'm in the wrong place. 
She said, no, you're in the right place. You're, you're here. You're at the right church. She said, no, this is, I, I'm looking for the church where brother so-and-so is the pastor. And they, said, and, and they said, well, yeah, he's the pastor here. She said, this is not the right place. And so she stayed for service, and after service, she went up to him. And she reminded him about the revival here where her, daughter, where her sister had been healed and a bunch of people got the Holy Ghost. And he said, oh, yeah, I remember that revival. And she looked at him and she said, what have you done? She said, I know I'm a backslider, but when did you backslide? Can I tell you, we can't afford to leave home until our children come back. We can't afford to leave home. We got to keep believing. We got to keep preaching one God. We got to keep preaching the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. And that. When our kids come home, they need to find that we're still where we've always been. Oh, I wish somebody would lift their hands and say, God, help me to never leave home. There's a kidnapper that's after your soul. According to multiple sources, there are several keys to preventing being kidnapped. Key number one is you should never take shortcuts. You should never take shortcuts through deserted alleyways. Shortcuts are dangerous. This is, this is what the resource said. Shortcuts are dangerous because when you take a shortcut, you are not where you are supposed to be. The definition of a shortcut means saving of effort, an easier way. Can I tell you, there are no shortcuts in living for God. You can't shortcut yourself to a relationship with God. There's no shortcuts to heaven. Amen. Well, I might be, maybe I'm in the wrong place this morning. Maybe I'm in the wrong church, but I thought I was in a church that says whatever I got to do to be saved, then that's what I'm going to do. Don't preach me a shortcut. Don't preach me a short. I don't want a shortcut. Tell me what I got to do to be, I don't want to be a victim of the devil's kidnapping. There's no shortcuts to holiness. There's no shortcuts in worship. There's no shortcuts in prayer. There's no shortcuts in living for God. If you don't want to be a victim of kidnapping, you can't take shortcuts. In the scriptures, the Lord instructed Moses to make the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark were three things. Aaron's rod that budded a pot of manna, and the tables of stones. Aaron's rod was a miracle. It was a limb that had been cut off, that had no life, but it budded new life. It was a miracle. There was a pot of manna that was God's blessing and provision from heaven, and the tables of stone that were the law, thou shalt not, that guided their life. Over the course of time, Israel devalued what the ark meant to them. And consequently, the Philistines took it to the house of their God. Over the course of time, because of God's judgment, the ark of God came back to Israel. And in 1 Kings chapter number 8 and verse number 9, the Bible tells us that when that generation looked inside the ark, there was nothing in it but the tables of the law. 
At some point, a Philistine opened the ark and looked inside and saw the miracle rod and said, yes, I like miracles. I'm going to take that. And then another Philistine looked inside and saw a pot of manna and said, that's God's provision. I want God to provide. I need miracles and I need provision. But then when they looked at the tables of stone and it said, thou shalt not have any other God. And it said, thou shalt not covet and thou shalt not kill. And and they looked at the law that was designed to guide their life. They looked at the law and they said, we don't want that. And so they dropped it back in the ark. And can I tell you, that is much how modern Christianity is. Modern Christianity wants the miracle and they want the blessing, but they don't want the law. Give me a miracle, but don't tell me how to live. Give me a miracle, but don't tell me how I ought to live my life. But I'm here to tell you, there are... There are no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts to God. Everyone loves miracle and provision, but they look for shortcuts around the law. Friends, if you're going to escape the kidnapper, you must remember there are no shortcuts in living for God. This apostolic life is not just about miracles and provision, but there are some laws, and to escape the kidnapper, you can't take shortcuts. Key number two is never accept candy or gifts from strangers. No matter what, this is, this is what the resource said. I'm, I'm just quoting it. Never accept candy or gift from strangers, no matter what, and never go anywhere with a stranger, even if it sounds like fun. In the scripture, a stranger is someone who is not part of the covenant with the Lord. They are not believers of the truth or followers of God. The Bible warns against fraternizing with strangers. The Bible teaches us not to mistreat a stranger, but the word is clear that the believer should not go with or partake of the things with the stranger. The kidnapper knows that if he can lure you away with something that your flesh desires, then he can destroy you. The kidnapper will offer you anything he can, an affair with someone at work, a high from some drug or some drink. He'll offer you anything he can to get you to come close to him. The bait, the bait is not intended for you to get what you want. The bait is intended to get you within arm's reach of the kidnapper. Can I... Can I tell you today, look, I know it's a sleepy Sunday morning, but I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. I want to tell you that the enemy of your soul will offer you the things of this world for the express purpose of getting you within arm's reach. He'll offer you whatever he thinks will entice you just to get you close enough that he can grab you. It may be a high, it may be a drunk, it may be a drug, it may be a girl, it may be a boy, it may be a man, it may be a woman, it may be money. But whatever it is, it's not intended for your pleasure. It's just intended to get you within arm's reach so he can abduct you out of the house of God. wish I didn't have this crazy cough. I'm so sick of it. Key number three, if separated from your group, meet 
at a fixed place. If separated from your group, meet at a fixed place. The enemy wants to separate you from your church. You can tell when someone is backsliding because they start to separate themselves from the group. They start missing church. They don't hang out with apostolic people anymore. If separated from their group, the abduction process, product, the, the abduction protection website says that if you get separated, then you got to go back and meet at a fixed place. I'm here to declare this morning that there are some fixed places in the church that are unmovable. If we're going to escape the kidnapper, if our kids are going to escape the kidnapper, if our marriages are going to escape the kidnapper, we need to settle on some things that are not negotiable and not movable. Repentance is a fixed place. Baptism in Jesus' name is a fixed place. The infilling of the Holy Ghost is a fixed place. Talking in tongues is a fixed place. Holiness is a fixed place. Prayer is a fixed place. Faithfulness is a fixed place. Worship is a fixed place. I will not negotiate. It's settled. I didn't come to church wondering if I'm going to worship. I came with my mind made up. I am a worship. It's fixed. It's settled. My worship is not available to the kidnapper. I didn't roll out of bed this morning thinking I might go to the prayer room before church. Now, look, I know there's getting ready to be a little conviction going here, but y'all just say, oh, me or oh, my or praise God. But I didn't roll out of bed this morning wondering if I was coming to the prayer room. That's a fixed place in my life. It's something I've settled. I got to be a man of prayer. I cannot walk with God if I don't pray. I can't keep my mind and my spirit right. God's a healer. I only said that to get the rest of you back with me. Because you like it when I preach healing, but you don't like it when I preach stuff that requires discipline. But God, help me. Let me tell you, holiness is not, I don't live one way at church on Sunday and another way at the factory on Monday. It's a fixed place in my, it's not. Look, the kidnapper wants your fixed places to be negotiable. Number four, if someone tries to lure you away, man, this is, this, is so, this is so basic. If you came looking for revelation, I'm sorry, you came to the wrong place this morning. Listen to this. This is, I know you're going to be wowed by this. If someone tries to lure you away, say no without hesitation. It's not revelatory at all, is it? If someone tries to lure you away, say no without hesitation. Man, that's simple, isn't it? But when the kidnapper tries to lure you away, one of the best defenses you have is the power to say no. Log into that chat room. Do they even have chat rooms anymore? I don't know if they have chat. Do they have chat rooms? Somebody younger needs to tell me if they do. When the enemy tries to get you to log into that chat room, say no, no. no. without hesitation. hesitation, not sit there for five minutes and think about it. When somebody says, here, take a hit of this, 
you'll like this. Say no without hesitation. Not, well, my, my preacher says I can or my, my wife might find that or my, my dad may, my, my mom and dad might. No, the answer is no, no, no. I refuse. You got to learn to say no without hesitation. Somebody ought to shout no when the enemy tries to weaken your convictions. You need to shout no without hesitation. The king of Babylon tried to entice Daniel with all the riches and all the good things of the kingdom. But the Bible said that Daniel refused to defile himself. Daniel said no. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were told to bow down when the music of Babylon starts. Bow down and worship the idol. And if you don't, we're going to throw you in a fiery furnace. And here's what they said. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We don't even have to think about it. I don't even have to sit down and wonder. I'm not even contemplating. My answer is no. You don't have to be carnal and worldly. You can say no to the spirit of this age. Okay, I'll hurry. Number five, set boundaries about the places you go. There are some places a child of God just does not belong. Oh, hallelujah. If you don't want to be a victim of kidnapping, set boundaries about the places you go. I got 50 thoughts going through my brain right now. Every apostolic parent needs to set boundaries around their children. And around their teenagers. Where'd my amens go from these front three or four rows? Every apostolic parent needs to set boundaries around their children. Your job is not to be your kid's best friend. Your job is to be their parent and to disciple them towards heaven. And the only, if you don't want them to be kidnapped, you got to set boundaries. Churches need to set boundaries. Don't get mad when we say that you can't get up here if you don't live right and dress right and act right. Don't get mad. Say, thank God that there's some boundaries. Well, I'll go down the road where they'll have me do whatever I want and you'll be a victim of kidnapping. I'll do what I want. That preacher won't tell me what to do. I'll tell you what I will tell you. Someday, I'm going to be trying to pray you back off a of dope. I'm going to be trying to get your marriage back together. I'm going to be trying to get your kid out of jail because you didn't set boundaries and now you're a victim of the kidnapper. Kidnappers waiting just outside of your boundary. He's, he, land, he's, he, he, he lurks on the edge of the boundary. Knowing that once you cross the line, that you're fair game. I would rather my child be mad at me. 
than be an abducted child of God. Amen. I, I, now look, my kids don't like it when I preach about it. Any more than anyone else's kids would like it if they preach about it. But I think I got good kids. Every once in a while I ask these other young people, I say, tell me the truth, how are my kids doing? Don't I do it? Don't I do it? Tell me the truth. How? Because, you know, they, they can act one way in front of me, but not be the same way when I'm not around. And so I, I ask them. I think I told one of them one time, I'll pray that the fire of God burns your eyeballs out if you lie to me right now. Tell me how my kids are doing. Hey, I'd rather you lose your eyeballs than me lose my kids. I, I, I really love you, but I really love them. I think I got good kids. But every so often, I got to go up to them, and I got to say, I got to say, now look, I, I noticed this. We got to work on it a little bit. Amen. 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 <laughs> you probably wouldn't like living with the pastor, but that's what God's called them to do, so that's just what they got to do. But I'm going to tell you, somehow you got to set boundaries in your life because the enemy knows that just on the other side of the boundary, once you cross that line, then you're out of the jurisdiction of spiritual authority. And once you cross that line, you're outside of the reach of your spiritual umbrella and covering. And so he tries to get you just to step outside of the boundary. He did it with Samson. The Bible said that Samson went down to Timnath. Timnath was a border city right on the edge of Israel and the Philistines. And Samson knew that if I can get to that border, I might find me some girl out there that appeals to my flesh. And so he saw Delilah in the border city just outside the boundary. And he went back to his dad. He said, get her for me. I like her. And his dad should have said, Samson, you backslidden rebel, get in the altar right now and get your heart right. You got no business going out there to find some. You better get your... But no, daddy said, okay, I'll go get her. And the next thing you know, his son is blind. Because he went beyond the boundary. I got to hurry. Key number six, make sure your kids know their names and addresses. Make sure your kids know their names and addresses. Because if they get lost, they need to know who they are and where they're from. Let me tell you something. Let me preach to the Bethlehemites for a minute. You are not like every other person in your world. You need to remember who you are and where you're from. You are a Jesus name, apostolic, Pentecostal Christian filled with the Holy Ghost. When you leave this place, you carry the name of Jesus Christ on you. You gotta know who you are. I'm not a gutter dweller. I'm not a, I'm not a barroom dweller. I'm not a dope smoker. I am a child of God. I know who I am. And I know where I'm from. I tell my kids, you're not better than anyone. And I'm telling this church, you're not better than anyone. 
but you're also not like anyone. You are called out by the name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the infilling and baptism of the Holy Ghost. You are a peculiar people. Hallelujah. You are not like everybody else in your factory. You carry the blood and the name of Jesus Christ, and it requires a higher standard. You got to know who you are and where you're from. Slam the preacher all you want, slam the church on social media. Talk about it in the, in the streets, in the places you go. But I'm going to tell you something. God has not called us to be like the world. I don't want to be a kidnapped victim. If you wanted to slam a church back several years ago, all you had to do was call them traditional. It became an insult. It became a insult. Oh, that's such a traditional church. Oh, he's, he's such a traditional preacher. Let me tell you something. I've seen enough of modern Christianity to know that I'd rather be traditional. I know my name. And I know where I'm supposed to be. I know who I am. I am a blood-bought Jesus name. One God, holy rolling, holiness, Jesus name, apostolic, Pentecostal, washed in the blood, sanctified by the Spirit, filled with the Holy Ghost, called out to be separate. That's who I am, and I know where I belong. I belong in a holiness church. I belong in a worship service. I belong in an altar. I belong in a pew. I belong in the house of God. That's who I am, and that's where I'm from. Lord Jesus, I'm running out of time. In the ancient world, one of the most hostile places towards Christianity was the city of Rome. Emperor, Emperor Nero was one of the most wicked leaders who ever lived. He mounted people to, to poles and used them as torches, as streetlights to light the path, particularly Christians. He hated Christians and built a culture of hatred towards them. They were persecuted, fed to lions, forced to fight each other as gladiators. He hated the church. Some would believe that the Lord wouldn't expect much out of a Roman Christian because of the culture that they lived in. How could God expect a Roman Christian to live the same standard as an Ephesian or a Galatian or a Hebrew or a Thessalonian? But here's what the Bible said, Romans 1 and 7, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. The word saints means holy, blameless, consecrated. Paul said, I know you live in Rome. I know you live in a wicked culture. I know you've got a wicked king, and I know that it's not going to be easy. But just because you live in Rome doesn't mean that you have the right to live a lower standard than what the Bible teaches. Even the saints in Rome... Even the church in Rome are called to be holy. I know we live in 2023 America. 
I know we live in a trans world, they say. I know we live. This is Pride Month. It's the most sickening thing. I probably probably just got us kicked off Facebook today. But it's still the truth. I know we live in modern America, but we're still called to be the church, to be holy, to be right, to believe the Bible. There's no, there's no shortcut in 2023. James 4 and 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. Don't be nice. You don't owe owe common courtesy to the kidnapper. You don't owe the the kidnapper politeness. No, no. Resist the devil. I remember the old songs we sang when I was growing up. Those are the only things I remember is the stuff that I heard when I was growing up. We sang songs like we declare war on the devil. I remember one time at our, at our youth group, our church, we, they made signs that did, they, they, it said, we declare war. And it said, war on the devil. And, and we hate you, devil. And they were doing this. And we were running around. And some egghead kid put peace on his sign. We're doing a song about war on the devil. And he's trying to make peace with the devil. But we used to sing songs like war on the devil. Satan, the blood of Jesus. I recognize those voices. I've heard them since I was 18, 19 years old. (laughs) Let me tell you, at some point, if we're going to be the church we're supposed to be, you're going to have to get some madness inside of your spirit against the kidnapper that's trying to tear your marriage apart, get your kids on drugs, trying to get your family split up, trying to get you so messed up that you don't know what's happening. You got to get, you got to declare war on the devil. You don't have to be nice to the kidnapper. All right, this is, this is the last one. Listen, here's the choice. Survive or die. I'm not planning on being kidnapped. Here's, here's, what, here's what the source said. This is the last one, I promise, I think. It said, if you are approached by a kidnapper, run, make as much noise as possible, wave your hands, scream, jump, shout, Do whatever it takes to get out of the hand of the kidnapper. I wish I had wrote it, but I didn't write it. To escape the kidnapper, once he's got you in his hand, run, wave your hands, scream, jump, shout, do whatever it takes. Can I tell you, I think we're too professional in our praise. know there's a kidnapper it's hard it's hard to tie somebody up if they won't sit still 
It's almost impossible to tie somebody up if they refuse to quit moving. Somebody ought to get on the move right now. You ought to resurrect your praise this morning. You ought to resurrect your, you ought to wait. You ought to shout. You ought to do whatever you got to do. I got to be free. I got to be free. I got to be free. I got to get loose this morning. You got to escape the kidnapper. The kidnapper's after your praise. He's after your mind. He's after your family. He's after your marriage. He's after your children. The kidnappers. You do whatever you got to do. You ought to not care what anybody thinks about you. Your goal is not to be popular. Your goal is not to be pretty. Your goal is not to be professional. Your goal is to escape the kidnapper. I got to be free. I got to be free. Somebody needs to get their praise back. It's been a while. You ought to just wave your hand. You ought to get loose again. It may be uncomfortable at first, but you need to get your shout back. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Something about to break loose on somebody. Well, what if I shout now and I get tempted again this afternoon? Then shout again this afternoon. And shout again tonight and tomorrow. Do whatever you gotta do, whatever you gotta do. Return flight took me through Athens. And so I planned a day to go and see all the stuff in Athens. I wanted to see all that ancient junk. And I wanted to go to Corinth and stand where Paul preached. And so I went to Corinth and I stood there where Paul preached. I went back to Athens. And I'd only slept an hour the night before, so all day long I'd been slamming espressos. Until when it was time to sleep. So I went out on a walk and I met this little old man shuffling around with a cane. Spent a couple of hours talking to each other. He asked me, he says, have you eaten yet? 
I said, yeah, but I'll go with you wherever you want to eat. He said, okay, well, we'll go over here. We go into this place. Brother Johnny, as soon as I sat down, I knew I don't belong here. This is not where a Holy Ghost-filled child of God belongs. I get looking around. There's some rough characters. Things start to transpire, and I realize the bell goes off. You got to get out of here. You got. I had all I had was a bottle of water, but I had a bunch of money because it was my first time to the Middle East, and I wanted to make sure I could buy my way home if something happened. I was going to bribe my way out. And I thought, if I pull my wallet out in here and they see that money, I am dead to rights. And so, Brother Carson, all I got to do is pay for a bottle of water, and I'm fiddling in my, in my pocket, with, with, in my wallet. I pull out a 50-euro note. It's about $63 at the time. I laid on the table. I said, this is for my water. I paid $63 for a bottle of water and a good lesson. I hit that door because I had read. If you get stuck in a place, and once you get in, they'll lock the door and they'll rob you. So I get to that door and I pull the door. And I hear chairs shuffling behind me. I'm like, first one to touch me, I'm punching him right in the face. And I hope it's not that pretty blonde because I'll knock her teeth out with the love of the Lord. I pull on that door and it won't budge. So Brother Carson, I thought, well, the one, and I put my shoulder in and I almost fall out on the side. There's a group of Germans walking by. I asked them, can I walk with you? Because I heard these guys coming up behind. They, they didn't know they were doing it, but they babysat me all the way to my hotel. Because there was something in my spirit that let me know, you don't belong here. You don't belong. You got to get out of here. You got to get out of here. You know what it was? It was the worship that they were doing to their music, their dancing. They're apart. All the stuff they were doing was in my head saying, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to have such a Holy Ghost worship service in this place that the devil says, I got to get out of here. I don't belong here. I can't put up with all that tongue talking and all that clapping and all that shouting and all that. How old, Sister Evagene, how old are you? Old enough to have forgotten, right? 60, 80, 84? 84. 84 years old. And I saw her right down here in the worship service. What's your excuse? I'm getting away from the kidnapper. I'm making the devil uncomfortable in this place. Somebody ought to get your shout back. You ought to get your praise back. You ought to wave your hands. I got to get loose from the kidnapper. I got to get loose from the kidnapper. I got, woo, hallelujah. Hey, Amen. Pico, Sergio. I'm out of oxygen, bro. You got more air to worship right now than I got to preach. So why don't you just go ahead and worship and let me get my breath back. Somebody that's fighting the devil. 
tonight, 6 o'clock in the prayer room. Let's come ready for a Holy Ghost breakthrough, a Holy Ghost pour out. Come on, let's stay charged today, church. Let's go and be distant, in Jesus' name.